Coming up on the Keto Camp podcast, we have author, speaker, mentor, trainer, Jay Nixon. I always tell people like, you're not going to count your macros for the rest of your life. Right. It's like, you're just not going to, I don't care who you are. Like I come from the world of macro counting. That's what bodybuilders, people are always like, well, bodybuilders do it. I'm like, well, they actually don't. They have a team that does and they put food in front. Ben, eat this right now. And Ben says, okay. And Ben eats, right? Ben's not doing the calculations on that. So they have a professional team of humans that is giving them the precise dosage of everything they need based on their composition, their output, their, all of these metrics that us as lay people, first of all, we don't have that kind of systematic, you know, approach to it. And who wants to count macros for the rest of their life? I know I don't, I know I don't count macros. I don't count anything anymore because I've developed a lifestyle that I know what food looks like and I know what that food's gonna do when I ingest it. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, host of the Keto Camp Podcast. I hope you're having an exceptional day today. Thank you for pressing play. I'm excited to bring on Jay Nixon. CBS News called him one of the best fitness and nutrition experts in the business. We'll get into his backstory. I was recently on Jay's podcast, and we got connected through uh, Lance, who is the host of the University of Adversity podcast. He also has his great book. Um, I'm speaking about Lance. He's been on the show before. Lance connected me to Jay, and me and Jay did a podcast exchange, and we had a fantastic time. I was on Jay's podcast called Thrive Forever Fit, and now he's on mine, and you're going to love Jay's story. Here's what we get into. He has two books, The Overweight Mind, such a great title, and The Purpose of Pain, another great title. We'll talk about both those books. And then we get into a favorite subject of mine, perfect for the new year up ahead, calories in versus calories out. As a matter of fact, we get into several weight loss myths, but we do talk about calories in versus calories out and why that's not giving you enough information. And it's neglecting your hormones and your metabolism and so many other factors. Other myths would be punishing yourself in the gym, why it doesn't have to be two to three hours in the gym. Sometimes less is more. He'll talk about that. Why you don't need to starve yourself the difference between starvation and intermittent fasting, and why you don't have to spend thousands of dollars on synthetic supplements as well. We get into something that 
he loves to speak about, which is the word diet. Here's what he said. Most diets fail because they have an endpoint. He believes your success with your health and your weight loss and your energy and your vitality and your longevity, 20% mechanics, 80% psychology. I would say he's being a little bit modest there. I would say 90% plus psychology. So you better believe we get into mindset, okay? How to fall in love with the process. He also gets into the philosophy of hard work pays off. And while that might be true, what about smart work? And we'll talk about that. This is a perfect episode for you going into the new year to develop the right mindset, the right framework. And I cannot wait to share this awesome conversation with Jay. He's got an awesome history, which you'll learn about. And then we'll get into the specifics for you to implement starting right now. Hey, before I do, let's take a minute to acknowledge and appreciate and give a shout out to today's podcast rating and review. This is an Apple podcast rating and review from yours 95 titled Fasting. So interesting and informative. Thank you. Love the different topics and experts every week. Love that you walked the walk too and changed your life. I sure did, my friend. I, if you don't know my story, used to be obese and suicidal and overweight and physically and mentally obese, and I changed my life around. That was 14 years ago, and I've been in the health space ever since. So you might see me now as somebody who's lean and healthy, but you better believe for 24 years, I was the complete opposite. And if I could do it, you listening right now, you could do it too. And you know what? If you can, you must. And if you must, you will. Thank you for leaving that rating and review. I am so grateful that you are listening and also took the time to leave that rating and review. Please do so if you haven't done so already. Leave the show a rating and review. You hear me say it all the time, every episode, and it's for a reason (laughs) because it helps the show grow. So if you haven't, if you've been listening and you hear me say this all the time and you're just not pausing to do that rating and review, maybe this is a good time to pause and leave an honest rating and a review. All right, let's have a fun conversation with Jay Nixon. Jay Nixon is known for his innate ability to get inside someone's head to finally crack the code on what's been holding them back to achieve life-changing results. He's recognized as a Lululemon ambassador and dubbed by CBS News as one of the best fitness and nutrition experts in the business. Jay has been featured on ABC, Fox, and in Health and Triathlete magazine. When he's not working with clients one-on-one, you'll find him consulting for Fortune 1000 companies in the nutrition and fitness industry. He is the author of two awesome books, which you can purchase today. We'll drop a link down below. Here is Jay Nixon. Hey, Jay. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, man. Could not be happier to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I was just on your podcast last week, uh, Thrive Forever Fit Podcast. Go subscribe to it, Keto Campers. And we had a great conversation. Lance, our mutual friend Lance, connected us. We love Lance. Mr. University of Adversity. He also has a great podcast, so go subscribe to his. And we had an amazing conversation in your show where I got to speak mostly. Now I'm looking forward to listening and hearing you speak because you're doing great work out there. We have a lot of things that we are passionate about, a lot of similarities. 
And we focus a lot on mindset, which is huge. Uh, people don't get it, which ho hopefully after today's conversation, it'll click for them. But before we get into that and your wonderful books and programs, what's your story, dude? Uh, how did you even get involved in the health and wellness and fitness space? Yeah, you know what? Growing up, um, I grew up in a tiny little town in Texas, about probably 4,000 people. And we had one stoplight. Worked sometimes, usually didn't work. So I grew up in a really, I would say, kind of sheltered environment as far as like information goes. Very, I would call it like an old oil kind of ranching town back in the day. And so my, my father was killed when I was five years old. I know that's a horrible way to start a podcast. People were like, well, this is going to be great. I promise you it gets better. And that kind of started my trajectory into where I am today. And I'm, I'm 48 years old now. And so the reason I say that is because I, I believe at that stage, I didn't really have any other coping mechanisms other than food. And I kind of used food as my weapon of choice to kind of comfort myself because I didn't know how to talk about my feelings and all those, you know, all the things that as adults, we should be able to communicate. As a five-year-old, you just can't. I mean, mom, I remember my mom even took me to a therapist and I just sat there and I think I played with my He-Man for like an hour. And she's like, well, this isn't good. This isn't going to work. Right. But I was five. You know what I mean? Like if I think back to that, I'm like, I didn't know what to say. So that kind of started my trajectory. Now, that's not why I am where I am, but I think it's probably how I got to it. Even as a I would call myself a, a husky or a chubby kid, overweight for sure. I was fascinated with health and fitness. And so we had the, the town that was the closest to us that you could actually go and shop or do anything like that. That was about 45 minutes away. And they had the only mall in the area. I'm going to get to the point. And they're just like, why is he shopping at the mall? They had a GNC. They had a general nutrition center in that mall. And so my mom would go shop. And even as a young kid, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, I remember I would just go into GNC and I would read all of the magazines, every, you know, the muscle and fitness and you name it. And then I would read all the, I'd pick packages up and I would read labels. And I would, I mean, I was fascinated with nutrition and I was fascinated with being fit at the same time using food as my weapon of choice to, to keep myself unfit. And so come full circle, you know, I found sports as I got older and that kind of helped me lean out and get a little bit healthier, but I was never really, I wouldn't call it, I was never thin by any means. I was always someone who struggled with my weight, especially mentally. I think I felt like I was bigger than I actually was. Terrified to take my shirt off at the swimming pool, you know, during the summer, a game of shirts versus skins in basketball was my worst nightmare. Like, please, God, do not make me be on skins. I'll be so embarrassed. And I was an athlete. Like, I was probably the best player on the court, but terrified to play because I thought I was going to take my shirt off. And so fast forward to finding sports, became a personal trainer when I was like 17, just because I loved it so much. I didn't even use it. But that's kind of how I got into the world of health and fitness and wellness is I, I started as a really chubby kid who was fascinated with health and fitness. So it was kind of paradoxical in a way. Um, it didn't make any sense, but that's kind of how I got to where I am today. And then fast forward college, the whole nine yards, I went to work for the largest nutrition company in the world, which was, at the time was often nutrition and American bodybuilding. So I kind of got into, I got exposed to the world of uh, extreme fitness, if you will. You know what I mean? Like, gear and all the things that, 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 you know, that make men huge and make women huge. And I'd go to bodybuilding shows and, and, you know, the nutritional aspect of it was always massively fascinating for me there. Left that business. Cause I was, I felt like I was on my quest to supposed to be like a, 
a professional. So I left that, went into pharmaceuticals, worked for GlaxoSmithKline, which is one of the largest nutri- I mean, uh, pharmaceutical companies in the world. Didn't love that. And then went back in into the nutrition world and consulted for the NFL alumni and um, got to teach like ex-retired NFL players about nutrition and fitness and ways to get off of medications and use nutraceuticals instead of pharmaceuticals. Realized that I really still wasn't living on passion and then decided to open my own gym, um, write two books, start my own supplement line and start coaching people on how to live an optimal life. So that's kind of like the the show up and throw up version of, of who I am. How, how did your dad die at age of five? Yeah, he was in a car wreck, head on car wreck um, collision. And, uh, you know, I remember that I don't remember much about when you're five, you don't remember much. But um, as I write in my second book, The Purpose of Pain, that's kind of how I start the book. I remember that day as if it was yesterday. Um, But I don't remember, I don't have a whole lot of recall about my father other than that moment and then a few other just, you know, situational things because of of my young age. And I think I probably have like a mental block or or did have a mental block for a really, really long time. Yeah, that's, uh, that's wild. Five years old, dad getting in an accident and losing his life. And I love that you turned that into a book. Uh, perfect title, right? The Purpose of Pain. I always say pain to purpose is exactly what you're talking about here. And you saw the nitty gritty of the bodybuilding scene. And I want to I want to kind of hear about that because there's a lot of things we can learn from bodybuilders in a positive sense, but then there's a lot of things that they are extreme about. And a lot of people don't get that having a goal to be a bodybuilder and having a goal to live a long, healthy life are not the same goals most of the time. So what were some- probably couldn't be more opposite. Right. Yeah. So what were some of the crazy things you saw in that field? Yeah. I mean, it's so if for people that don't know, and, and your listeners may not know a lot about that bodybuilding world. Um, and I never really got into it. Like I never, um, I never took steroids. I never like wanted to be on stage in a speedo and, and do that. But I love the, the artistry of it, if you will, like the, the crafting and, and the dedication that they had to the craft. Um, but the average age of a professional bodybuilder is like 43 years old. So it's not a longevity play by any means. And I'll tell you a story about that. So I got to, you know, every, every nutrition company has sponsored athletes. They have a bodybuilder that's like on their staff. And so I remember being at a bodybuilding show with one of our, he was a professional Mr. Olympia level caliber athlete who's actually no longer with us. And he was younger than me. His name was Art Atwood. We were sitting at the booth. Art was signing, you know, signing autographs, but he was kind of an off season. He was, he wasn't getting ready for a show and he was weighed over 300 pounds. And I remember sitting at the booth next to him and I heard this noise. It was like, (sighs) I thought Darth Vader was at the booth and I look over and it was just Art trying to breathe. He was so massive and had so much volume of muscle on his body that he struggled to breathe. And I, at that moment, I remember thinking, that can't be good. Like that can't be a, that can't be sustainable, right? And so, but, you know, give him 12 to 18 weeks and he could have zero body fat and be chiseled on stage. And so I learned a lot about the, the dedication that it takes to get to that level of life, if you will, in that in that particular uh, profession. But I also learned all of the negative nuances around it as well. And there's a lot of drug abuse in that. I would call it like a subculture. A lot of people just think, it's, oh, that's just, you know, they just do that. It's a very subculture-y thing. There's not a lot of alcohol consumption, but there's a lot of uh, prescription and or recreational 
drug use in that scene. I remember going to my first party after one of the, um, you guys got to remember, I'm in my young 20s. I'm just a kid bebopping around thinking life is amazing. I'm from a small town in Texas. I've never done a drug or even seen a drug for that matter. And so I'm bebopping around. I go into this party at a bar and I look around and nobody's drinking, but everybody's jacked up. And I, I remember asking my buddy, I'm like, man, this is weird. Everybody's like, seems like they're kind of buzzing, but nobody's drinking. He's like, are you a moron? And I'm like, I don't think so. He's like, they're on drugs, dude. And I'm like, are you me? What? I'm like, what? Like, it was like, you know, I'm like this naive kid. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so, yeah, just, I just got exposed to a lot of different things. Um, but it was fascinating. I learned a ton about like nutrition, like, you know, what food does to the body, what supplements do for and to the body. So it was a, you know, I, I had taken nutrition in college. I have a degree in nutrition and I, I knew nothing. I knew the 1961 textbook that the lady at the front of the room read from. I knew nothing. And so this was an indoctrination into the world of like what food actually does when consumed and then the, the benefits and negatives of, you know, nutritionals and pharmaceuticals and all that whole game. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, that's wild. What a what a world of bodybuilding scene. There's a lot we could learn from them. Like you said, the discipline, the dedication, the devotion is respect yeah. respectable. And they also got it right with like these refeed days, right? Where way to kind of trick the body. So what have you seen that to be something effective that you use? Maybe like a way to mix things up for the body to adapt to? Yeah, I've learned a, I've learned a lot of tactics from that industry. Is I learned not to be because remember, as a chubby kid, you grow up afraid of food. Like you grow up thinking that food is the problem. You don't realize that you're the problem. Like your mindset around food is the actual issue, that food's not even the issue. But when you grow up that way, you've got this programming that, that you think that that food is going to make me do this thing. Like it's going to make me gain weight. And so what I learned from those guys is, is, is the use of food to get the result that you want to get. So I started thinking of food more as fuel and food more as like a resource to you know, to nourish and, and do what it was that my body wanted. I wanted my body to do like those refeeding days, like you talked about, like, you know, so crucial, like some, this is a little nuance that most of your listeners probably don't know. So a professional bodybuilder, a, they don't look like that all the time. Like when you see the magazines and you see them on stage, that is a moment in time. That is a snapshot. And that, that goes for Instagram. That goes for all of those polished photos the body can't live in that state for an extended period of time. It would expire just because there's not enough nutrients coming in. There's not enough body fat. Your insulin levels are really dangerously played with. I mean, that's another thing I learned is like, I mean, they were using insulin to actually get leaner and create, and it was so dangerous. So, like, so I learned the, the nuances and the, the power of insulin, if you will. But I remember watching them like, you know, have these refeeding days. And so, at a bodybuilding show, before they would go on stage, about three or four hours before, I remember my first one, I watched Art eat uh, pie filling out of a can. Like, I mean, there's probably 80 grams of sugar in this. And he's as lean, I mean, he has zero body fat. His skin is like cellophane. I mean, it's so tight. And he's eating pie filling from a can to get that insulin rush through his body, which actually makes the skin shrink wrap around the muscle. So it was fascinating. I, was, I remember thinking like, Art, what are you doing? And then he explained the science of it and, and what actually happens in the body. And so, yeah, it, it just the strategic timing of all of that was 
was mind blowing for me. And so, yeah, to, to your point now as a, as a lay person um, who I do intermittent fasting every day, I work better off of low calorie. Like I'm not a high calorie guy. I feel better when I'm at like my optimal caloric intake. So I'm not a big overeater, but I know there's sometimes when I do need to, to refeed my body and I actually feel better after I do that. So yeah, I definitely use those strategies in my day-to-day life. Interesting. Yeah. You know, that, that pump they get, like you said, comes from that insulin spike. It kind of fills that their muscles fill up there and they get, they look jacked. Yeah. But the thought of seeing a super healthy person eat pie filling out of a can is like, your mind can't comprehend it. It's like, that makes no sense in the, that makes no sense. It's so true. Yeah, it's wild. And what one thing that all great fitness coaches uh, and even body, bodybuilders have in common is that they know that you, you never want to do the same routine over and over and over because you begin to plateau. So you always change up the routine. Same thing with your diet, same thing with your intermittent fasting schedule, same thing with your caloric needs. You, you manipulate it. So that's where like a refeed day is, a, I think it's a brilliant approach, something they got right because it's a way to change things up. The body adapts and you continue getting results. Uh, that's similar to like a keto flex day, the way that I teach going in and out of ketosis and into ketosis. But let's stay on the topic of diet uh, because it's a bad word in your vocabulary, the D word you call it. <laughs> and I agree with you. And you, you've said the reason you don't like that word diet is because it has an end point. So if you could explain more about the negative mindset around somebody saying, I'm going to go on this diet for a result. Yeah, I, I believe that, that di- and this is just based on, you know, years and years of, of trying to help people transform, it has a built-in fail date almost, or a built-in failure switch. And so I've seen people go on, whether it's a 30-day or a 60-day or a 90-day diet, where they're being restrictive, where they're depriving themselves, where they're doing things that are not sustainable long-term and with no plan for sustainability, meaning there's no refeeding days, there's no flexibility, there's no, you know, reward, there's no anything like that. And so at the end of that 30, 60, 90 days, the human can only do two things. You can either continue that same process, or you're going to go back to what it is that you usually started with. And that's why people get on this diet roller coaster or the diet merry-go-round is they're consistently doing that. They're starving, depriving, and doing things that are non-sustainable. And then they go back to the thing that they were doing before. And it's just this vicious cycle. And then eventually from a mindset perspective, which I feel like is just as dangerous as the diet itself, you're teaching yourself that this probably won't work for me long-term. I'm going to fail. And so most people who come into my world have tried, you know, I could have them draw from a hat and say, have you done this diet? Yep. Like one of my favorite things is people say, you know what? I think I'm going to do Weight Watchers again. And listen, nothing to get weight. This is not a bash on Weight Watchers. Use it as an example. I'm going to do Weight Watchers again. My next question is always, cool. How many times have you done Weight Watchers? And they will literally say, this will be like my 17th or 18th time. And then my natural question, which is what yours would be, Ben, what's going to be different about it this time? Like, why is it going to be different? And they, there's never an answer. And so they've just, I call it a dieter's mentality. Like they're willing to just get back on the same train that they already got back on, even though they des- they know the destination they're going to get to isn't where they really want to go. Oh my gosh, that's insanity, right? That's the definition of insanity yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> and January is right around the corner. So you better believe Weight Watchers is going to get that little spike. Oh, totally, totally, totally. This is, I mean, it's tis the season, right? This is weight loss season where, 
people are going to, I call it this grazing season right now. They're going to graze and, and get the radical overfeed. And then January 1st is going to come and they're going to go into weight loss season mode and they're going to start chasing that next diet, which hopefully by listening to you and I, we can convince them that there's a better way. If your life is anything like mine, you are constantly juggling responsibilities with endless to-do lists. It seems that it is impossible to live without overwhelm these days. And I'm not even talking about how it affects overall well-being, sleep, productivity, and your immune system. Stress slowly infiltrates your life, silently robbing you of magnesium, a vital mineral your body depends on. This is called the vicious stress magnesium deficiency cycle. Have you heard about it? In simple terms, number one, stress strikes. There's mental stress, emotional stress, chemical and physical stress. Number two, your body loses magnesium. Number three, sleep becomes elusive. Energy and productivity plummet and stress levels skyrocket. And number four, more magnesium escapes your body. So how do you break this cycle? Listen up. I found a game changer. It's called Magnesium Breakthrough by Bi-Optimizers. Magnesium Breakthrough contains all seven forms of magnesium, which supports stress management by promoting muscle relaxation, regulating the nervous system, controlling stress hormones, enhancing brain function, boosting energy, and improving sleep. I simply take two capsules before bedtime, and it works really well. Give it a shot. Break free from the vicious cycle, and you've got nothing to lose. Bioptimizers is so confident in their products, they are offering you a risk-free 365-day money-back guarantee. If you don't see the results, simply claim a refund, no questions asked. To me, that's a win-win. Head over to magbreakthrough.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code KETOCAMP10 to get 10% off any order for a limited time only, and you will receive special gifts with your purchase. This is only available for KetoCamp podcast listeners over at magbreakthrough.com slash KetoCamp. Use the coupon code. We'll drop that down below. Don't miss out on this opportunity to improve your well-being and life. So let's, what is the better way, right? If diet is not the answer, if that's not the mindset, what is the, the right mindset? You know, it's why I named my business what I did. You know, my gym is called Thrive Fitness Studio, but but all of everything I do, my supplement line, my podcast, everything I teach and pre- preach is called Thrive Forever Fit because I believe that's the play, right? We've got to do something that we can consistently do forever. And so I just replaced that word forever with lifestyle. I, I want, and I know you do too, you want to teach people how to have a lifestyle that they can live with forever so that they never have to diet again. They never have to chase the pills or the potions or the, the radical, you know, things that are going to help them lose 10 pounds to go on this cruise or to go to this wedding or do this thing. And so really, I'm just, I'm all about lifestyle transformation. And I don't think that there's a, there's not a one size fits all for everybody. I think you've got to create a lifestyle that you're comfortable living with forever that you don't have to do radical things that have proven time after time after time not to be successful. Yeah, well said. And and weight loss is a big reason why people look for a new diet or a new lifestyle change. And I like the way you approach weight loss. So let's let's talk about some of the things you've seen before in regards to weight loss that you realize does not work. Some of the myths surrounding weight loss. What are the the wrong ways you believe to go about weight loss? Yeah, I think the first strategy is when you when 
you know, I think you and I are both massive mindset guys. It's when you go into any weight loss journey and are unwilling to change your belief systems around, you know, what it is that you're doing and why it is that you're doing it. But some of the myths are, I mean, people believe they have to be starved, right? You have to to starve myself in order to lose weight. Um, One of my, the things that I try to get people to move away from is people always like to say, well, I can't eat that. So I'd like them to change that language to, I'm just choosing not to eat that at this moment or at where I'm at in this stage of my journey, that's not going to serve me. It's not that you can't eat it, right? So I think that's a myth that that there's a good versus bad food. And when I use the word food, I want you guys to understand I'm not talking about boxes or bags. I'm talking about like real food that, you know, we all know what that is. There's no chemicals. There's no names we can't spell or pronounce. And I think people believe that it has to be radical, but I think there's a reason for that. I think that gives them a built-in, the more complex something is, the more we have a built-in Um, like failure mechanism where it's not really our fault. And so if I need an abacus and a sundial and I need like, you know, there's these flow charts and all of these things, they always tell people like, you're not going to count your macros for the rest of your life, right? It's like, you're just not going to, I don't care who you are. Like I come from the world of macro counting. That's what bodybuilders, people are always like, well, bodybuilders do it. I'm like, well, they actually don't. They have a team that does and they put food, Ben, eat this right now. And Ben says, okay. And Ben eats, right? Ben's not doing the calculations on that. So they have a professional team of humans that is giving them the precise dosage of everything they need based on their composition, their output, their all of these metrics that us as lay people, first of all, we don't have that kind of systematic, you know, approach to it. And who wants to count macros for the rest of their life? I know I don't. I know I don't count macros. I don't count anything anymore. Because I've developed a lifestyle that I know what food looks like, and I know what that food's going to do when I ingest it. And so I think there's a learning thing there, too, is people just want to be told what to do instead of learning what to do. And I'm a big proponent of I want to teach you. So a lot of times, like I used to do this, I would give somebody a recipe. And their first thing they would say to me is, well, how many carbs are in this? How How much protein is in this? How much fat is in this? And my rebuttal would be like, I want you to figure it out. Because if you figure it out, then you'll never have to ask me again. And then you'll get, a, you'll get a conceptual notion of what food looks like. You'll be able to look at a plate of food and say, this is approximately 30 grams of protein, 17 grams of carb. You know, you'll be able to approximate that. But if you just do what I tell you to do, whenever I stop telling you to do it, what are you going to do? Go back to your own ways. Go back to the yeah. same thing you've always done. Yeah. Yeah. It's the old adage of, uh, you know, lead, lead a, a horse to water, right? You can't make them drink. And you don't want to make them drink. You want to make them actually learn how to drink. And I love that you do that because you're right. Uh, counting macros, counting calories, it, it's not sustainable. The whole calories in, I'm not sure where you stand with the calories in versus calories out approach. I'll share where I stand and you could share where you stand with it. I think calories matter. I'm not denying them, but I don't think they're important. I think focusing on them too much distracts you from what really is important. So I don't focus on calories. So what what is your approach with calories? Yeah, I believe the same concept. I mean, I think there's got to be, I think calories are, for lack of a better term, I would call it like guardrails. I mean, obviously, I should not be ingesting 5,000 calories a day. 
probably not going to be the best decision for me, you know, and, and, but there's an awareness level around that, right? I would rather people become aware of how food makes them feel and, and their output, you know, after they consume food and learn their body as opposed to having a, a hard, fast caloric number that they're just trying to match every single day. That's not sustainable either, right? And so, you know, and then, and then we can get into the, we can get into the discussion of, you know, what if it was 2,000 calories from donuts versus 2,000 calories from beef? I mean, there's a massive differentiation in those 2,000 calories. So I think it's something that if you, it's, it's just like the macros, right? If you'll just learn how to eat and learn why you eat what you eat and, and get, the, get your psychology and your, your metabolic principles all in the same alignment, you won't have to count calories. You won't have to worry about your macros. You won't have to do all of those radical things, which to be honest, and I'm just being, I've done this for so long, you won't do that forever. You won't, you just won't. I promise you, you won't. Like professional bodybuilders, as soon as they stop, you know, performing, didn't have to do that, you ask them to count a macro and you better run because you're going to get a brick, <laughs> you're going to get a brick thrown at you. It's not sustainable. It's not. Yeah, it's a distraction. It really is. And you're right. Big difference between 2000 calories of a donut of donuts versus beef or Skittles versus beef. It's just it's the response, right? So well, we, developing... use, we use all that macro stuff and those calories. I love how you said it's a distraction. It's a distraction that was created by the marketing piece of the nutrition and fitness and wellness world. Because if I can keep you confused, then you need me forever. But you, you really need me to tell you what to do for the rest of your life. I always tell my clients like, there's two things that I want. I want you to be able to lose my phone number and never have to call me again. Not because I don't love you, but because you're so confident in what you're doing with your lifestyle that you just don't need me. And I never want one of your children to have to know who somebody like me is. Those are my two goals. Like I really, truly, you know, I want to teach people how to do this so that they can do it on their own. Like so they don't need a, a macros coach and things like that. That blows my mind. I'm like, you know, a macro coach that doesn't know anything about you. He just sends he sends me over my macros every week and tells me what yeah, to eat. There's a I'm lot like, of those. How's he how's he formulating that? Yeah. And they're like, well, he look he looks at the he looks at the abacus and the sundial and <laughs> checks his fingers, see which way the wind's blowing. I'm like, what a gig, man. I just don't I don't have my morality is too high that I could never do that. Yeah. Or he just uses one of those free macro calculators and he's charging you for using it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, absolutely. And it's a custom diet. I'm gonna give you a custom. Diet. Yeah, it's ridiculous. There's a lot of those those fitness pros on Instagram teaching that, unfortunately. And I, I was there myself and I know you were too. So we learned from that. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't do the community a service. It does them a big disservice. Um, yeah. I, I used to give seminars and lectures many, many years ago when I used to own my CrossFit gym here in Miami on the science of fat loss, where I used to teach nothing but calorie counting. You know, here are the, the calories, your, to your total daily energy expenditure, your BMR, here's a deficit. I don't care what you eat, as long as you hit that deficit. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I realized how stupid and wrong I was. It's There's so many more moving parts. The human body is more complex than just chalking it up as a calculator or a bank account. It's more than that. So I love that. We get to learn and then unlearn and then relearn. And that's that's exactly the way we should be. So when people, I get these comments all the time when I talk about insulin and hormones and cellular metabolism, they're like these fitness pros, they'll, they'll say, dude, it's just eat less, you know, count your calories. And why are you making it complicated? And my reply to them is, is usually, 
I hope you catch up one day soon. It's like, I, I was there, I was lost myself, and I hope you catch up and you find your way because that's not going to help our community. Do you get those comments as well? Oh, yeah. Totally. One of my principles in life is always confident, sometimes wrong. So I, once I learn something new, I'm willing to say, hey, I learned something new. This is why I used to think what I thought. And it's not because I was trying to be ignorant to the fact. I just got some brand new info that's way better. And let's start using this. But I also think that there's that that piece of that puzzle that, you know, if you deprive yourself for a short amount of time, will you lose weight? Well, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like if I put you on a restrictive 500 calorie a day diet, you're going to lose some weight in the first week. Again, what's the caveat there? It's not sustainable. So yeah, you can play the game of, of deprivation of, well, you know, I'm going to eat a thousand calories and I'm going to burn 2000 calories. You can play that for a minute. And for a minute, you'll have a smidge of success, but it won't be sustainable. And then metabolically, you're going to start to break down. And then where are we going to go, right? Like then we start to have to, we start having to to solve other problems that we don't have. Exactly. That's the pro- that's the challenge with it, Jay, that it works short term, but doesn't work long term. So they could get away with, and people have experienced it. They've done the calorie cutting thing. They've, they've done that and they got results and they think, I just got to go back to that, but it's not sustainable and it leads to other hormonal issues. So many moving parts, a big moving part here, probably the biggest. And I know you agree that most of your results, not just in health and, and nutrition and fat loss, but also in life is the psychology, right? Most of it is coming from psychology. Your book, which is behind you for those watching on YouTube is called The Overweight Mind, one of your books. Great title. And let's get into the principles of that book. Why did you write it? What is The Overweight Mind? You know, I wrote it, gosh, I think it's been out for about five years now, and it's still a staple, and it does so well. I remember I remember it like it was yesterday. I came up with the idea two years before I wrote the book. And the reason I came up with the idea is because I had helped several clients lose over 100 pounds, which is pretty monumental. I mean, awesome, unbelievable. And then they went off on their own. And then I saw them three to six to nine months later, and I was devastated. This was back when I was young, when I was, I was younger in my career. And I remember I was devastated and I just, it, it haunted me. And it, I just kept coming back to, okay, there's a missing piece to this, Jay, right? And I was working on my own psychology. I was in the, the midst of my own personal development journey. I was, you know, I'm doing all the, I'm doing all the psychological stuff for myself. And I said, it just hit me like a ton of bricks one day. Again, like being the moron who walks in the bar, everybody's drunk, but nobody's drinking. This was me. It was was the same event. And I said, oh, wow. I said, this has nothing to do with with the food. This has nothing to do with with being overweight. The weight loss was a side effect. And so this, it's the brain, it's the mind. And the, the overweight mind hit me. I was on a flight to Arizona, I remember it. It hit me and I didn't have Wi-Fi. I'm like, I got to get this URL. Like, so it was the longest from Palm Springs to to Arizona, luckily is less than an hour. So I had like 30 minutes left in my flight. As soon as we hit the ground, like I'm on my phone on GoDaddy buying, you know, the overweight mind because it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And then I, so I started, I started writing the book based on that. And so in that book, there's not one thing about eat this, don't eat that. There's not one thing about do this exercise, burn this many calories. It's all the psychological reasons that I learned over time, working with clients and working with myself, getting myself from that state of, 
you know, I, I, I forgot to mention, I didn't forget to mention, but this is another part of the puzzle. My, my father was killed when I was five. My best friend committed suicide when I was 25. And in the midst of that, I lost two of my other fatherly figures. And so from the time I was five to the time I was 25, I lived in a state of chaos, for lack of a better term. And I, I tried to change and I wanted to change, but I didn't know how to change. And so when my, when my best friend committed suicide at 25, something clicked in my brain. And I said, this is a non-sustainable life, like the way you're, the way you're living currently. And it wasn't because I was doing anything crazy radical, but I, my mind wasn't strong enough to, to put me in a trajectory of success. And I always had this feeling like I was supposed to be successful. Like I believe everybody has the, the, everybody's born for greatness, but the life I was living wasn't a great life. And so I think I told you the first book I read, I read a Dr. Wayne Dreyer book and it changed my life. I started thinking differently. I started thinking about possibilities differently. And I started doing those types of things. So I basically used all of the transformative tools that, that I used to get myself from 25 to where I am now, coupled with what I had done for clients and watched them on their journey. And I realized that people who came to me that were 100 pounds overweight, the weight gain was a side effect of something else. And so therefore, if the weight gain was a side effect, the weight loss would have to be a side effect. And so once I figured that out, then I had, then I started like reverse engineering. I said, well, what's the causative thing? What's the, what's the situation? And it was always the story or the mindset or the, the belief systems that the client had psychologically were the issue. And they were just using food, like I said earlier, as their weapon of choice. And so it wasn't until I started to dive into those things with my clients. And I don't know if anybody else was doing this at the time, but I remember thinking like, I'm going to be radically different. I'm going to take personal development and I'm going to take nutrition and fitness and I'm going to marry them. And that's why I created my, I have a program called Thrive Forever Fit Flex, which is, which is very unique that your, your book is called Flex. And it's really just kind of about the same principles that we've all been talking about. But that's why I created that is because, and I'll be honest with you, the nutrition and the fitness portion of it are minimal. It's, I have to get you to think differently. I have to get you to believe differently or all this other stuff I can teach you will be for naught because you'll stay with that same belief you came to me with. And so I always use, I make a joke and it's not really a joke. It's actually serious. I use fitness and nutrition as a way to get somebody into my world, right? Cause nobody's going to, nobody wants to go to somebody and be like, Hey, my mindset's really jacked up. I'm using food. You know what I mean? Like nobody ever has that conversation. So I use fitness and nutrition to get people into my world. And then I start unpacking the real reasons why they're there. And that's what, that's how I've been able to create like long-term sustainable weight loss for people. Whereas before I could help them lose the weight, but I couldn't help them maintain it. I love it, Jay. That's so important. And most people, most practitioners, they do not focus on the mindset part. It's maybe a small piece of the puzzle, if any, and it should be the main thing. And I'm like you, I get people into my world because they want to learn about keto, but they learn very fast that it's much more than just keto. It's much more than just fasting and nutrition. It's it's about that mindset. In my academy, I have a whole, I have a whole section built out called the mental six pack. And we start there, the inner sizing, because you're right, the self-image that we have it's going to hold you back or it's going to propel you forward depending on how you've been using it. So if you feel like you don't deserve love, you don't deserve happiness, you don't deserve whatever benefit and Jay teaches you or someone teaches you 
to lose weight, then you're going to self-sabotage, if you want to call it that. You're going to go back to that. It's like a thermostat. You're going to go back to gain that weight because you don't love yourself, whatever that stinking thinking thought. So what Jay does is he changes that self-image. He increases that thermostat. So they get the results and then the results stay. Did I put that the right way, the way you kind of explained that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's beautifully articulated. You've got to get people, you you have to get people to believe that they're worthy of that change. Because that sounds crazy. Because, I mean, you would think that the if you ask somebody, hey, do you think you're worthy of change? The average person would be like, well, yeah, of course. But when it really comes down to it, we have a lot of limiting beliefs and we have a lot of self-doubt and we have a lot of programming and, and, and just beliefs that that are holding us back. And until you can get that, you can start unpacking some of those and developing new beliefs, then it is, it's very, that thermostat's such a great example. It's like our job is to raise that thermostat and get people to stay at that level. Because what happens is when you start raising that thermostat, you get uncomfortable because it's, it's new. It's, it feels different. It's, I mean, I'll even have people lose five, 10, 15 pounds and then stop doing everything they did to lose the five, 10, 15 pounds because they get so uncomfortable because people start to recognize them differently. Like you would think that a compliment would always be something that would drive somebody forward. You give a compliment to the wrong person who's not in the right frame of mind to receive that compliment. And it will actually be a negative. They'll actually take that in and say, this is too much attention. Like, I don't want, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want this. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a very complex system, but it's, it all really starts with your, the psychology of, of what you believe you deserve, right? One of my favorite sayings is that you'll never be, do, or have more than you believe you deserve. And so we, I've got to get you, Ben's got to get you to believe you deserve the life that you really think about and you want to live. You're just not telling anybody about it. I love that saying. Uh, beautiful. So what are, what are some practical takeaways the audience could implement today to feel more self-love, self-worth, so they raise that temperature, that thermostat? Yeah, I'm massive on language. Um, one of the first chapters in The Overweight Mind is about the language that you're using. And so if a client comes into me, one of the first things I assess before I even look at what they're currently eating or what they're currently doing for fitness or their caloric intake is I just listen to the words that they use. And 99.9% of the time, they will it will be destructive language. It will be negative language in reference to themselves. Can you give some examples of what those, because some people might be hearing that and they're thinking, yeah, that's not me, but give the exact examples and they'll be like, wow, that actually is me. Yeah, totally. The simplest one is when somebody will come in and they'll say, they use the word can't like it's the the, or or a or whatever. It's like, so they'll say, well, they can't have success doing anything else. They, they always fail. Um, Nothing works for me. You know, and this, it's just the languaging around those three things. Like, so they can't do it. They won't do it. It's never worked for them. It never will work for them. This probably won't work for me either. Like it's just the mindset around the belief system that, and, and that's only because you've been on the diet roller coaster and you've tried so many things that have that are built for you to fail, right? They're built to keep you in the system, right? This is a this is a multi-trillion dollar industry, and we're ne- we've never been more overwhelmed, overweight, and confused. That shouldn't be the case, right? Because there's almost too much information out there. And so most diets are built for you to fail so they can keep you in that system. I can keep you in the funnel, for lack of a better term. They can keep you buying the weight loss products and the weight loss pills and the potions. 
And so I get people to, to recognize the language they're using first and foremost. Then I give them the strategies on how to change that language. We start to work on that. And then I get them to talk about the belief system of, of who they believe they are, you know, why they believe they are where they are. And so you'll often find that somebody's belief system isn't even their own. Like they'll be in a place where their mother told them when they were seven years old that they were fat or that they were chubby or that they were going to get fat or don't eat that. If you eat that, you're going to get, you know what I mean? And they're 47 now, 40 years ago, and they're still living with that subconscious thought in their brain. And that seven-year-old girl is driving the bus. So it's just an awareness piece. And it's, it sounds crazy to think that it could be that simple, but I've really seen one thought like that be unpacked, resolved in a new thought put in place of that and transform somebody's life like that. Jay, this is so good, dude. It's so important for those listening and watching what Jay just said. And it's not just the language you're saying out loud. It's the language that you're saying in here. I, I would more say you importantly, are the, yeah, because yeah. there's more conversations here than out here. 60,000 words each day, thoughts each day. You are, I would say you are the most influential person you'll speak to today. Hey, Keto Camper, it is time to get your shift together. What do I mean? Sugar Shift is a unique probiotic designed as a working system to convert the sugars, glucose, and fructose in your gut to the free radical scavenger mannitol, which also feeds a healthy gut microbiome, supports the mitochondria, and by the way, it increases the production of butyrate, which helps protect the gut lining and is one of the main ketone bodies. You heard of it, beta-hydroxybutyrate. This is one of my favorite formulas. It's an eight-strain formula built as a working system to provide specific gut functions, and it's unique in its probiotic formulation. One of my favorite things about this product is that it breaks down and detoxifies glyphosate. The product also includes strains that has been shown to improve muscle mass and support changes in body mass. I've used it with several of my Keto Camp Academy students, and they have reported to me it's helped them with their sugar cravings. It helped them with their transition from sugar burner to fat burner. Helps to keep them in ketosis and take the results to another level. Helps when they hit a plateau. Improves digestion. In a recent study, BiotaQuest, the company that makes Sugar Shift, showed huge improvements in blood sugar reduction, A1C reduction, also reducing LPS, which is an endotoxin that can create inflammation in your body. If you'd like to get your hands on a bottle of Sugar Shift from BiotiQuest, head to BiotiQuest.com, which is spelled B-I-O-T-I-Q-U-E-S-T, and then put the coupon code CAMP, K-A-M-P-1-0 at checkout, and also check out their other products as well. We'll drop links down below with the coupon code in the podcast notes. One of the most common negative languages or words that I hear people share, which I, I call it a bad word in my world, is the word try. Okay, Ben, I'll give it a try. Or okay, I'll try this. When you go into something saying, I'm going to try it, you're going into it with, oh yeah, I'm interested in getting that result. I'm interested in getting healthy. I'm interested in re reversing my type 2 diabetes. That's really different than being committed to something. There's a big difference between being interested and being committed. So trying is failure with honor. Oh, I gave it a try. 
right? And you feel good about it. But that is right there is an awareness piece, like you said. And let me ask you this. Do you hear a lot of people say, I'll give it a try, Jay? Hands down. And I don't allow it. So one of the, one of my things is uh, you guys are hopefully learning like my personality a little bit. I'm, I love people so much, but I am a, I'm a strong personality with a side of empathy. Like I love you so much that I can't let you lie to yourself, but I'm not going to be mean. I'm going to tell you with empathy to do that. And so when somebody says that to me, I'm like, well, let, so I, I just get them to start unpacking it, right? Like, I don't want to tell them everything. I'm like, okay, let's pause really quick. I said, you just used a word there that is a built-in fail switch. Like you've given yourself an out. And they'll always say, well, what do you mean I've given myself an out? I say, well, let me ask you this. Have you tried, how many diets have you tried before? And they'll say, oh my gosh. I mean, they'll, you know, they'll twenty-seven off everything. <laughs> in the, yeah. in the last say, 27 days. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say, so if you try this one, if you try this program, what's going to be different? And they'll say, well, they'll give me an answer. And my answer back will be absolutely nothing will be different. I said, but if you'll change, you'll, if you'll change, I'll try to, I'll do what's required. Then you can't lose. Huge, huge right? So that, switch right that's there. That's the mentality switch. Yeah. If you're using the word try, start telling yourself, I'm going to do what's required. Whatever that is. I don't, and, that, and that's going to be different for everybody. That's in a lot of times they'll say, well, Jay, what's required? And I'll say, that's going to be different for everybody, right? Because everybody's at a different place. What's required for me is not what's required for you. Because I'm alternatively programmed to do everything I can to win. I'm not about to try anything. Like, I'm going to do what's required. And so I'm not proclaiming that you need to have that same, you know, mindset that I do. But I want you to try to get there, right? I, want, I use the word try, but I want you to do what's required to get there, right? And if you'll just change that languaging, I mean, it will change your life. It will absolutely change your world. You have a, a chapter in your book, The Overweight Mind, about a commitment to completion, about my word is my bond, about being intentional with your language, like you just said, but also completing what you said you were going to do. And, and that's what Bob Proctor actually called his definition of excellence is a commitment to completion. How important is it to do the things that you say you're going to do when it comes to your confidence? Um, paramount. It's it's the reason that a lot of people struggle because they've broken so many promises to themselves that they no longer believe the promises that they make to themselves. We're coming up on, we're recording this in, in the end of November before Thanksgiving. We're coming up on New Year's resolution season, which I think statistically they say that less than 8% of New Year's resolutions actually come to fruition. And that's because people have made that same promise to themselves so many times that they they don't even have any real intention of actually following through with the promise. So where's the value in that? And so I've just taught myself. And, and a lot of the lessons that I teach in the book are, are the lessons that I taught myself or learned myself and then used as my, as my core value system to live the life of purpose and passion and abundance and, and all the things I believe in. And so if, if you continually break promises to yourself, that's going to create a lack of self-belief or a lack of confidence or just that lack mentality. And so that's why when you start something new, if you've done that in the past, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work or not, right? Like, I, I hope this, you're going to use words like hope and try and all of those things. And But if you just, and listen, the only way, like we talked about the other day, I was like, I don't have a definition for failure because I don't believe in it because I'm not ever going to, I'm not ever going to quit. And as long as I'm not willing to quit, I can't fail. If I make a commitment to do something, I am going to exhaust 
everything that's required to go get it and try to do it. I love it. That's the difference between being committed and being interested in something. And you could build that, we'll call it a commitment muscle by committing to small little things and completing that. And then that leads to medium things and then big things. And then it's like a muscle, right? That's where the old adage of go big or go home kind of fails. And I'm all for setting big goals, but you don't get there by taking big actions in the beginning. It's small little tweaks that compound, which leads me to my final question here, which is about the old adage mindset of HWPL. I heard you talk about this on Instagram and I was like, what is HWPL? You were saying you're not for that anymore. You changed your mind. I went on Google and I said, oh, hard work pays off. I agree. Why don't you like that old adage of hard work pays off? Yeah, it used to be kind of like a, a, you know, a moniker that I would use for my own personal life is, you know, hey, hard work pays off. And, you know, I would, I would, I kind of got, you know, my clients believing in that. And then I started thinking about the, the concept of hard work. And if you ask, if I went out on the streets today and asked 99 or 100 people, 99 of them would tell me that they work hard. And then I could ask somebody who knows those 199 people and they would say, nah, I got to work that hard, right? It's like, so, so it got me thinking about the variability and the subjectiveness of hard work. You know what I mean? It's like what, what I perceive as hard, you might not perceive as hard and, and, and vice versa. And so I started thinking like, what's, what's more valuable than hard work? And then I started really looking at like how I move through my day. Most of the things that I do, I would not prescribe as, as hard but they require me to do them intelligently. And so I'd kind of changed my belief system to intelligent work pays off. And I, and I did that, I thought about that and, and unpacked that for a few reasons. Because I think whenever people start like a transformational journey, or I'll use the D word, even though I don't want to, but everybody, if somebody starts a diet, the initial perception is what? This is going to be hard, right? If you talk to anybody who's on a diet, most of them will tell you this is so hard. This is so hard. Even, even a fitness journey, this is so hard. Like we use that word so aggressively and so out of context that I think it is also one of those, it's a built-in fail system. It gives me a way out. Because if this is hard, man, then, I mean, I, again, I'll go back to your word. I tried. It was so hard. I tried, man, but I just couldn't do it. Not my word. And so, but No, I know. <laughs> but you, you said that a while ago. You were like, if I tried. Yeah, I'm just right? kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, I know. But if I'm intelligent about the things that I do, right? If I'm intelligent about my food consumption, if I'm intelligent about the way I move my body, if I'm intelligent about the way that I think and speak and act and all those things, there's so much more value in that than actually even working quote unquote hard, you know? And so that's kind of where my brain, and this is what I do guys. Like my, I am a, I am a very like, I'm a lover of human psychology and how the brain works and how thoughts work. And so you know, I usually go for like a, at least an hour or two, a two hour walk every day. And, and this is what happens on those walks is I get an idea and I'm like, huh. And then I have these meetings with myself and we, we hash it out. And at the end of, at the, end of the walk, I, sometimes I've got a new concept and a new belief. And if I feel like there's value in it, then I share it. I love it, dude. Intelligent work sounds so much better than hard work. I love that reframe. One more question. I know I said that was the final question. I actually have one, one more one of my favorite vitamins that you can't find at GNC, by the way, is vitamin G, anti-inflammatory healing, puts you in this oxytocin, serotonin, GABA, dopamine state. And that is, as you know, the practice of gratitude. So my question for you is, Jay, what is the gratitude you have for your life today? What's that vitamin G you want to take right now? 
Man, I am, I feel like I am the luckiest person on the planet. I love what I get to do every single day. Like I never, I'm never not looking forward to being able to do what I get to do. And I think gratitude has been one of those pivotal things. Because if you if you think back to the story that I've told, right, from five to 25, quite a bit of trauma, wasn't really grateful for much because I didn't feel like I had much to be grateful for, even though that was that was very short-sighted on me. Now I look back and I'm, this is going to even sound crazier. I'm grateful for every single one of those experiences as harsh as they might've been because they've, they've allowed me to live in a place today that I know is beautiful. Like I don't take life for granted. I don't take people for granted. I don't take time for granted. And so gratitude is something that I use on a daily basis. I start every single day with gratitude. I have a little, I have a jar in my kitchen called my gratitude jar I get up, I go in the kitchen and I have these little cards and I write my gratitudes every single morning. Um, I also write a gratitude note to my significant other Lori every day and put it by our coffee. Um, I write my journal. Sometimes if I'm at my desk and I'm feeling like, hey, my brain's not where it needs to be, I'll open my journal and I'll either read my gratitudes from the day before, the week before, the month before, or I'll write some new ones. Um, I'm just immensely thankful for the opportunity that I've been granted and that I've seized to hopefully help somebody else have that same seizing of their life so that they can feel like they're living on purpose and on passion. And just, I mean, I really believe, and I know this is long-winded, but I'm I'm such a believer in abundance. And I think that this we're all here and we all have the same ability to create the life that we want to live not that somebody else wants us to live but that we want to live and when you start doing that man life gets so cool and life gets so awesome and i get to meet awesome people like ben and lance and like i'm the most blessed cat on the planet like i i do not take my life for granted i'm i'm over grateful i could see that i love that it's beautiful jay uh and jay's website is thriveforeverfit.com jay has a great instagram which is at the jay nixon just like I have mine at the Benazadi. Did you have, did you put the, the, because somebody took Jay Nixon? Well, the governor of Missouri, I don't know if he still is, his name is Jay Nixon. So growing up, I could never get Jay Nixon anything <laughs> because he's older than me. He had everything. And so it was, and the funny thing is, is when I was growing up and I was in the nutrition world, he was actually against the nutrition companies and was always filing lawsuits so I'd call somebody, be like, this is Jay Nixon. They'd be like, who? I mean, not that guy. The, the, uh, the other Jay Nixon. That's what I should have put the title on. The other Jay Nixon. That's the so funny. The other Jay Nixon. And your podcast is called Thrive Forever Fit Podcast on all podcast platforms. Anywhere else that you want to share for the audience? That's pretty much, I mean, listen, if you if you find my website or you you, you look up Thrive Forever Fit, you're going to find me. That's my, my supplement lines call that. Like every everything I do is Thrive Forever Fit because that's really my quest is I want people to be forever fit. Let's make them forever fit, brother. This was a great conversation, Jay. I got vitamin G for you. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. And I, I look forward to doing more collaborations with you. You're doing great work. So thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. Feelings mutual. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jay. Go follow him on Instagram. His Instagram is great at Jay Nixon. His website is thriveforeverfit.com and his podcast is Thrive Forever Fit. Great podcast. I was on there. We'll put all that down below for you in the podcast notes. 
And please consider leaving the show a rating and review and share this with a friend, somebody you know, copy and paste the link, put in a text message or a direct message on Facebook or Instagram, send it to somebody today. If you want to watch the video format of today's interview and all interviews, that could be found on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ketocamp. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode and spending part of your day with Jay and myself. I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.